0: Good morning, welcome to the show. It's Wednesday, May the 25th, coming to you from home, and it's a little dull and overcast here in TW11 today. What's happening in today's programme? Well, the case of the joint longest price winner in Irish racing history, 300 to 1 at Punchestown yesterday. We'll be checking in with the world's number one jockey on TRC rankings anyway, James McDonald, about his upcoming trip to Royal Ascot and his ride on Zaki in the Doomben Cup a little bit later. J.A. McGrath joins us from hong kong and we bring you all the news from sir michael stout's press day in which he expressed his optimism at desert crown's chance to give him yet another victory in the derby but first of all as i welcome in senior rider from the racing post lee Mottershead, the strange case lee of richard hannon and an arsenic positive and why this has got not only the trainer but the beaks at the bha scratching their heads good morning
1: Good morning, Nick. Well, yeah, and those beaks at the BHA had a pretty uh, long and heavy day yesterday talking about arsenic and also talking about seaweed, which we'll explain in a second. This was a disciplinary panel hearing that related to a Richard Hannon trained horse, O Purple Rain, who finished last of six in the Group 3 Tattersall Stakes at Newmarket back in September 2019. Subsequently, it was discovered that the horse had showed an elevated level of arsenic, and we all know arsenic can do awful things uh, to the body, but it also can act as a stimulant in racehorses, so it can therefore be performance-enhancing. It therefore isn't allowed uh, in, in uh, elevated levels um, in post-race samples. The BHA argued that the reason why the horse had tested positive for arsenic at that level was because over many decades, across three generations, the Hannon family had been feeding seaweed to all the horses in their care three times a day. That was their position. The the Richard Hannon uh, defence, his, his team, through um, their arguments and through the use of an expert witness, David Rendell, um, that disputed whether seaweed could have been the cause of the positive, and Rendell argued that the issue was likely to be, according to Chris Cook's report on the Racing Post, multifactorial, and that the seaweed by itself could not have been the cause. In what was a very interesting day in the dungeon at High Hoban, we had a picture painted of a conversation that took place between Richard Hannon mm. and the BHA's then director of Equine Health, David Sykes who had called Richard Hannon and alerted him to the fact that a number of the stable horses were showing these raised levels of arsenic in race day tests. And during that conversation, that the, Richard Hannan explained uh, the use of seaweed at the yard. Um, and he says that David Sykes said that, well, you should proceed with caution over your use of seaweed. Hannon said that that was a casual chat as opposed to a a formal warning conversation. But the BHA contends that because of that conversation, Hannon should have stopped using
0: seaweed there and then. And that, of course, immediately um, would, would, would set alarm bells off in your head, thinking, well, if the BHA had significant concerns about use of a certain feed or feed supplement or naturally occurring feed leading to elevated levels that could cause an overage the word proceed (laughs) shouldn't have been used proceed with caution to my mind lee means carry on doing what you're doing but just be careful you don't give too much because he wasn't committing any offense at that point all of the all of the levels were coming in below the accepted threshold and given that arsenic is a, a naturally occurring element in the environment that's why there is a threshold that's why it's not zero tolerance well, that's there'll, be, right. there'll be a few questions asked of David Sykes here, I would think.
1: And I think we need to know, and I'm sure the panel will want to know, what David Sykes' recollection of that conversation is. As you say, proceed with caution does not suggest that David Sykes was telling Richard Hannon to stop there and then. Nobody would say to someone um, opening a bottle of wine in a pub who had his car parked outside to proceed with caution. You just say, don't do it. So I think the site's recollection of this conversation is very important. Um, The panel also heard from the BHA that they'd only tested for arsenic since January 2019, so what, nine months before this positive test. And they argue that that would um, negate any relevance of the Hannon argument that the stable had been doing this for 30-odd years and had never been a... A positive test. It's a really interesting subject, partly because we've had this before um, around the world. Arsenal has become a a growing story in horse racing. Um, Last year, we reported that Harry Fry um, had had one of his horses, Hell's Kitchen, disqualified from fourth place in the, the champion chase because of An elevated arsenic reading, but Harry Fry was not found guilty of any offence because the panel agreed with the view that the horse could have been uh, contaminated by chewing a creosote-coated box. So there are all sorts of possibles on this one. It's very interesting and very hard to know how it will play out. It was supposed to finish yesterday, uh, the case, uh, Nick, but there was so much discussion on this seaweed topic, that the panel didn't even have time to get to the closing arguments. So when time can be found for those closing arguments to take place, um, a judgment will have to be made. And as with the Harry Fry case, it will set an interesting precedent for what goes on in the future.
0: Well, one man who definitely did not have an elevated level of arsenic yesterday was the Punchestown commentator, Peter O'Hare, whose tone barely flickered as 300-to-one-shot sawbuck stormed to victory to become the joint longest prized horse ever in Irish racing history to win for Conor O'Dwyer, gold cup-winning rider himself, of course, and his son, Charlie, who is um, rapidly getting a reputation as a young rider of significant talent. Uh, Conor joins me on the line now. Conor, I'd say your blood pressure might have been a bit higher than Peter O'Hare's yesterday.
2: Absolutely. It would have been a different commentary had I been doing it, let me tell you. <laughs>
0: And just tell me a little bit about this horse because there was nothing that indicated that really he could win any kind of a race, let alone the one he won yesterday.
2: (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, look, to be honest, he was always a big backwards sort of horse and in fairness to the owner, Dominic Jones, very patient man. And he just said to me, look, you know, go along there with him and, and you know, let him find his feet and we give him a few runs in the flat, then we had a few over hurdles and I was hoping he finished sort of, you know, six, sort of seventh type of thing, see improvement and go down the handicap route. But um he sure looked like everybody else, I was I was as surprised as anybody, but we we we'll take them when
0: they come. Absolutely And for all that you might have had a grand plan I guess the plan initially Was just to try and get the horse to win And and, and you might actually Have a better horse on your hands Than you thought Given the way that he won
2: Well that's exactly it As I I spoke to the owner yesterday After we were kind of looking Pretty shocked and surprised But as I said to him Look The good side is We we, we look to have a a far better horse Than we thought Uh, We thought he would be a handicapper But uh, as you said Now after doing that And the way he'd done it yesterday um, you know, yeah, we could. He could be a very nice horse, and as I said, he's he, he is a quite a big, raw, uh, immature type. So he he's there's still a lot of improvement in him.
0: I mean, what were you thinking when he was still on the bridle, sort of three out?
2: I I, I kind of thought half on even down the back. I thought, yeah, lovely. This is working out fine. He will kind of struggle to get home because he has, as I said, he is a bit weak. So I kind of did expect to to see when he be turned off the back straight. Uh, a little bit of um, backward peddling. But uh, the further he went, I just looking at it thinking, oh God, the way he's jumping, the way he's traveling, you know, this this could actually happen. And uh, when he missed the last, and I thought, you know, maybe now they'll, they'll get to him. But the minute Charlie gave him a squeeze and a, and a slap, he, he he was actually winning going away.
0: Conor, you're a dual Cheltenham Gold Cup winning rider yourself, but did you ever make it onto Radio Force Today program like your son Charlie has this morning? <laughs>
2: I don't think so. I think that's one one he has up on me, actually.
0: <laughs> he he looks to have inherited a fair share of the family talent. Have you have you got quite high hopes for him now?
2: Uh, yeah, listen, <laughs> Nick, He's, he's nineteen. Um, he's come along quite slowly. He's very tall. Uh, rode on the flat a bit. Uh, he was over with Tim so Eastwood. Tim gave him a great great bit of education last summer, and he rode three winners on the flat. And um, it, it definitely tidied him up and um he, he the, the jumping is really suiting me. He loves it, and always did love the, uh, schooling horses and that so um look he, he looks to be going the right way, and you never know, but i, I just he's going on quietly, which I, I like to do. he's only nineteen there's there's no rush, but um it's lovely to have him riding winners for us, and hes he's he's very well worth his, his seven pounds claim.
0: We like to talk about pedigrees a lot on this podcast, and any pedigree enthusiast will have been all over this horse at three hundred to one. Best bred horse in the field, closely related to the Oaks winner Islington, and uh, and ridden by uh, ridden by the the son of a double Gold Cup winning jockey. I mean, it's, it was all there, wasn't it?
2: It was. I don't know how everybody missed. I've no idea.
0: <laughs> Connor O'Dwyer there, and uh, there's nothing Lee that that really gets people going like a big prize winner. i um, uh, three. 300 to 1, I know, remarkable. And he absolutely bolted absolutely.
1: up. He did bolt up, yeah. I mean, he's hosed up in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a race at Punchestown of all places. This, is, this isn't like a, a tiddy little venue. This was Punchestown. And you're right, Nick, this does get people energised. Betting stories tend to. You, you get those betting stories where there's a massive plunge on a horse who wins and you're scratching the head as to how that could have happened. And they, they get a mixed response. But I think something like this just gets universally positive responses because there hasn't been a, a plunge on this horse. Um, there's nothing. There's nothing untoward about what's happened here. What's happened is that a horse has done what horses very often do—they completely surprise us. Um, just looking through some of the the betting data relating to the 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 victory um you i I read one quote from uh coral that said one punter placed a two pound each way bet on Sword, but that was their biggest winner a two pound each way bet william hill reported that only 28 punters had backed that horse in the race and that accounted for just 0.14 percent of all stakes placed on that race there was no way i think any punter would have factored in Sawbuck uh, as a potential winner of the race. He'd been a massive price on his previous outings. It's a shock to everybody. But I, th- I think this sort of outcome is really enjoyable to see because it does just show that this is a completely, this is a sport that's often is completely unpredictable. That's how it should be. Um, so we've had two one winners in Ireland in a relatively short space of time. Uh, is pretty freakish as well. The biggest price win in Britain at any point was a horse called Equinotical, um, Equinoctial, who won at Kelso back in 1990, 250 to 1. So um, two horses in Ireland have trumped that, and I think it's a really good story. And I think the fact that, um, as you referenced there Nick, that, that Charlie has been on the Today programme this morning on Radio 4, there are very, very few instances when a programme like the Today programme will want to dig into horse racing. Um, they have the racing tips, which is grand, but they very rarely do really good racing stories. Whenever racing's on there, it tends to be because something uh, unfortunate has happened. I think what this reminds us is that those people who are quite snooty about horse racing's connection with betting and gambling are wholly wrong. because horse ra- Because gambling does have a a great uh, a great means of promoting the sport of horse race. And the two things are inextricably linked. And it's a, st- a story like this has a real way of, of making people talk about the sport in a positive way. So it's great, I think it's great all round, particularly if you happen to be connected to Sawbuck, or you were that guy who or woman who had a two pound each way bet on the horse yesterday.
0: Well, there won't be many 300 to one shots that world number one rider, at least on TRC rankings at any rate, James McDonald gets to sit across and certainly not zaki who he rides this weekend and aboard whom he was when that horse won fluently a couple of weeks ago james will be royal ascot bound quite soon uh, and it's always good to catch up james uh, first of all let's let's talk zaki and what's going to happen in a few days time and how he felt uh, the other day when you rode him
3: yeah no he was great he's um he's been ticking along beautifully he's and he had a few runs back this campaign and uh he hasn't put a foot wrong um this campaign as well so he's got one more run this this prep and it's culminating in the group one doom and cup on the weekend so we're looking forward to that as well
0: um annabelle comes on the on the podcast quite a bit and talks about him how would you rate the way that she's campaigned this horse
3: Oh, She's been brilliant. She's, uh, um, she's had him fresh and well the whole time. Um, the horse has always been turned out immaculately and um, he's always performed extremely well in every run she's produced him with. So he's got a, a, a lot of this for racing and um, may that continue.
0: I mean, I looked at his run at Randwick when he was just narrowly touched off. He was desperately unlucky by a horse who got a brilliant ride coming down the stand side. I, I almost wondered whether that was that was almost a career best performance in defeat. The numbers, the numbers suggest it might have been.
3: I'd have to agree with you. And that track that played very tricky that day, and she, I, he probably was in the worst part of it, where the winner come sailing down the outside. So um, he, to be touched off by half a length was just enormous. Um, so um, we would think if it was great, a good ground, he would have been a lot better off. But um, yeah, no, she's done a marvellous job with him, and he's continuing racing at the highest level.
0: Yeah, and it's it's been a it's been a great story. Looking forward to seeing the horse in the in the in the Doombin Cup. So when when is that? Is that that's coming up this weekend? Is it
3: this this Saturday?
0: This Saturday. And what's the opposition looking like?
3: Um, look, it's always you, you never underestimate anyone, but he has come up a dollar forty favourite. So I don't I don't know what's that in in uh, betting terms, but um, yeah, he's very short in the market, and um, hopefully. Uh, he, he wins but um, yeah it, ha- it has gone from because of the change of venue because it's been so wet here in Australia it's um, it's gone from um, the 2,000 meters to 2,100 meters so it's just stretched a little bit further but it is on a different track as well so uh, hopefully a better surface.
0: Well fingers crossed that he can go in again it's been great to follow him we're going to see you very soon aren't we when do you land in in the UK ahead of Royal Ascot?
3: Yeah, it was, it was supposed to be this weekend, actually, so that was, that was a bit of a bummer because I've just had trouble with visas um, to be able to ride outside horses apart from the two Australians. So I've had to delay my arrival a couple of weeks, so I don't get there till the 11th of um, June and then straight into it. So, um, oh, sorry, the 10th of June. So, um, yeah, and then we're straight into it.
0: And so then, then you're straight into Alaska. So will you be able to take outside rides when you do get here now?
3: Yeah, yeah, that's the reason. Uh, hence, why I've delayed the arrival to give my um, visa a little bit more time to process and um, come this year because it's it's been a little bit difficult. Um, with scenarios, just it just hasn't it hasn't come through in time.
0: And I'm guessing you'll be riding Chris's horses, Home Affairs and and Nature Strip in the in the two sprint races. Yes.
3: Yes, that's correct. Yep. Yeah.
0: And, and how are they getting on?
3: They are going really well. Um, it's been very difficult the last probably six weeks, eight weeks even, with extremely heavy ground. So they've been they've been just ticking along nicely without over overdoing it too much. But um, they're feeling great. Uh, they actually, funnily enough, have a, a barrier trial up the straight on Friday um, just to tick them over, and that's basically all their work's been done in preparation before they head off. On the plane, but uh, yeah, they're going good.
0: I mean, you've had enough experience here now. Enough experience at Royal Ascot. You've you've had a, a, a look at the the European sprinters. You see Golden Pal coming in for the King's Stand from the US as well. How do you read their chances in their respective races?
3: Oh, they have massive chances. Uh, they're arguably the best sprinters in the, in, in the, in the land. So um, Nature Strip, he's a massive time performer. He always steps up when, it, when it's counted, and I think he'll do the same again. Um, and I, I think that the incline will suit both horses. They're very strong gallopers. Um, they run their opposition into the deck and um, they've got great great cruising speeds as, speeds as well. So, um, yeah, their campaigns have been pretty much unflappable. They've been competing at the highest level and we, everyone knows how good Australian sprinters are.
0: Yeah, it's great to have them back at, at Royal Ask. It'll be great to have you back as well. Have you got any idea of, of what your other commitments might be? I know your old pal Charlie Hills will have been on the phone, won't he? <laughs>
3: Yeah, Charlie's a champion as always, but um, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll be trying to scout um, a few outside rides over the week just because it's, it's obviously um, one's on the Tuesday and one runs on the Saturday, so it'd be nice to tick over and um, and be a part of the whole week because it's, it's obviously one of my favourites anyway.
0: I mean, I don't suppose you're going to take an awful lot of selling, but by the same token, I don't suppose you'll mind me reminding everybody that you are going to be here
3: yeah no absolutely obviously it's i've missed the last couple of years and um it's it's been devastating obviously i always get up and watch it it's one of the greatest carnivals in the world so to be a part of it whenever i get an opportunity i'm jumping at it but um to come here this year with australian trained horses in terms of sprinters um to be really good chances in group one races it'd be just a dream come
0: true obviously but um yeah, we're hoping they'll run well and do us proud. Well, the sublimely talented James McDonald. I really did that for your benefit, Liam I <laughs> uh, There's no, there's nothing I could do, uh, Australian, that you would disapprove of. So there you are. He's the finest exponent of his craft in that land, and two of the best sprinters. You gave the tip a couple of weeks ago to do them both for the, the Kingstand Stand and the and the uh, Platinum Jubilee. I suppose the point about the rider now is how many other juicy plums is he going to pick up during the course of the week?
1: Well, he'll surely pick up quite a few, um, Nick. He, he is a, a jockey who is very well known already uh, to, to, to racing yards in this part of the world. He had, a, he had a really successful stint over here. He's had big winners over here. He's had connections to yards like Charlie Hills, Sir Michael Stout and others. I would be amazed if he's not widely used uh, during Royal Ascot. He certainly deserves to be widely used during Royal Ascot. And I would not be at all surprised, as I've referenced on this uh, podcast before, Nick, if he's riding not one or two winners uh, for Chris Waller during Royal Ascot. So I'm pretty sure both those sprinters will be hard to beat.
0: And of course, the horsey he rides in the Doom ben Cup this weekend, the, the legendary Zaki. Zaki has sort of folk hero status on this podcast for the way he, um, he clambers up the top 10.
1: Yeah, and he deserves to have legendary status on this podcast, Nick. I think, obviously, whenever anybody references Zaki in this part of the world, it generates that debate about, oh, these Aussie horses, they're no good. But horse like Zaki can go over there and win all that prize money. It's entirely possible that Zaki is simply blossomed for a different sort of training over there that may be going down Warren Hill wasn't what suited him there are loads of horses that go from this part of the world to race in australia who do no good whatsoever uh, zaki is a bit like Sorbuck, a bit of an equine legend and i think for all the right reasons
0: and of course he was trained in england by sir michael stout who will be using james mcdonald i'm sure at royal ascot where he can and um sir michael was there yesterday entertaining the press at freemason lodge probably quite a while since there's been a press day there desert crown his derby favorite Uh, There was a very nice picture in in your paper of him shaking hands with our very own David Yates. I enjoyed that.
1: (laughs) Yes, it was was a a lovely thing to see. Uh, And I'm sure Yates would have had a really good day um, uh, in Newmarket yesterday with Sir Michael Stout and with Desert Crown. Um, Really interesting too to hear what Sir Michael was saying about the horse and very much chimed with what he was saying at York after the Dante. There was a clear sense, I thought, of... Uh, enthusiasm not just for the horse but for his derby prospects when Sir Michael spoke at York he was echoing those words again in Newmarket yesterday he wouldn't have to come on too much he said when looking forward to Epsom it was a good performance at York that puts him in the reckoning Um, and I just sense that listening to all he said about the horse um, made me believe and of course you can be completely wrong about this but made me believe that Sir Michael Stout is more than a bit hopeful that Desert Crown will win him the Derby on Saturday week. I think anybody who saw his performance at York in the Dante will feel the same. I thought he was strikingly impressive on his second outing, often far from ideal preparation. If he makes the sort of normal progress that one would assume and hope he would make from York to Epsom, I think he's by far by far and away uh, the horse that sets the standard going into the Derby, and it could be a, a good few days for the for the yard too because tomorrow night at Epsom at Sandown they've got Bay Bridge, um, a horse who made tremendous progress as a three-year-old last season. Yeah. He goes in the Brigadier Gerard against um, uh, some some quality opposition, uh, an opposition that he wouldn't be able to beat on on ratings from what he's achieved so far but if any horse is the exact model of that Sir Michael Stout 3 to 4 to 5 improver it's this horse last year as a 3 year old he was running in handicaps a bit like horse like Pilsudski and others before him you would not be at all surprised if Bay Bridge becomes a group 1 horse this season and he might well start with winning the Brigadier Gerard tomorrow
0: night we're well, always keen to give you the latest from the bloodstock world here on the on the pod and there is something a little groundbreaking insofar as you wouldn't normally associate park paddocks in in Tattersalls in Newmarket with selling National Hunt stores, so unraced three-year-old horses. But that's what they're going to do. They're going to do it tomorrow. And I'm very pleased to say that Timmy Hillman joins me, who's Castle Dillon Stud in Ireland is consigning five horses to the store sale. Uh, this, this is going to be a little bit different for everybody, uh, Timmy. Just tell us a little bit about why uh, Tattersalls are, are doing this and, and what sort of attracted you to the sale.
4: Morning, Nick. Um, yeah, firstly, I think it's a great, uh, great idea by Tattersalls. Um, firstly, they're selling a couple of point of pointers and uh, horses off the track in the morning, um, which is uh, firstly going to attract the Irish point-of-point point lads over here who are selling, and also the owners and trainers who are buying them. So. People will be here, so it made a lot of sense to send horses over here to sell uh, in the afternoon so they can reload again. There's a couple of good point of pointers in there. Matthew Flynn O'Connor's horse is very good, and Cormac Doyle has a couple in or two that are quite good, and Colin Poe's a good old draft. So there is the horses there to attract the people. So if we're in after them, it, it, make, it just makes a lot of sense.
0: All right, so what have you got in the sale yourself and, and sort of what are you realistically hoping for? It must be quite tricky to know when you, you haven't really got anything to, to measure it against.
4: Yeah, no, it is, absolutely. So we've we brought five over. Um, there's two Melans, uh two very different types of horses. One is a fine big sort. Uh, he actually came from England, that horse. And uh, there's another Milan there who is a sharp bumper kind of a horse. Uh, good grower and all that. And we have a books boom, who's uh, a very racy sort. He could do any job, and a diamond boy, and uh, a getaway filly, though, with a bit of an update there last week. So no, we're um, we're very happy to bring them over. Look, we we have we've enough in the derby. Say we couldn't we couldn't bring them all there, so we're trying try and move them around a bit, you know.
0: And so, do you think these are sort of what? How would you sort of categorize these horses? Would these be derby sale type horses that, you know, people are just looking to do something different with, think that the market for them would be better
4: in Britain? They're probably sharper kind of a horses. Uh, like our derby sale horses at home are big point of pointing types, chaser types. Um, these would be kind of more sharper, they'd be out earlier. They could do that, but they, they're bumper kind of horses as well. So, uh, they're a bit they're probably more four type you know what I mean they're not um, I'd say probably the English market would be a better job for them
0: do you see that as, as as developing now that kind of difference between what an English market is and what an Irish market might be i.e. that there are just more races in England
4: um, yeah I think the, the English fellas are a lot more forgiving um, the Irish fellas kind of all focus on the same kind of a horse uh, whether the English kind of look outside the box a bit and kind of forgive and they're probably not uh, so stuck uh, on sires. It's gone. This game has gone so uh, sire orientated and all that. So at least over here, you can kind of as a horse that's not as popular sire wise, it kind of works a bit better over here. I think.
0: I don't think anyone's going to be quibbling about your Milans and your getaways, anyway.
4: Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> now we have a good bunch, so hopefully it works. Now that's uh, that's the main thing.
0: Consigner Timmy Hillman there and good luck to him with his group of five horses who go under the hammer at Tattersall's in Newmarket tomorrow. Now with our friends at My Racehorse, we have been telling you about the benefits over the last few weeks of fractional ownership in the sport and particularly the benefits of their real ownership, a one-time payment. You actually own equity in the horse for the whole of that horse's career, which can include Breeding Equity, and you get your share of any sales proceeds and prize money. Horse in training with John and Thady Gosden. Horse in training with Joseph O'Brien at the moment. There's also a horse with shares available, trained by Andrew Balding. That horse is called Syndicated. And when I was at Newbury uh, on Lockinge Day the other day, uh, a gentleman uh, approached me by the name of Nick Lowe, uh, who I caught up with a little bit earlier on. And it's uh, it was an interesting journey uh, to race horse ownership for Nick uh, who is a driving instructor from Wantage, as he was telling me?
5: So, um, uh, I I I found out about my racehorse through listening to your podcast. Um, it's like syndicated uh, shares in race is
0: something that I've um, I've I've been aware of for quite a quite a long time, um,
5: but I've never actually thought, yeah, I'll. I'll i'll do that i guess i've always had the impression that you have such a a small part of a horse that you're sort of like a back number in the background um and i suppose that's always stopped me from from doing something like this um i i after hearing about my race also on your podcast i went and checked a few videos out um i spoke to my wife and um and then my amazing wife uh, very kindly got it for my 50th uh, which is coming up later in the year
0: fantastic so did you have any inclination she was going to do that or you'd sort of discussed it with her and then she surprised you
5: well i was sort of i was sort of putting the feelers out there and um and then she she, she said why don't i get it for you for your for your 50th um and great yeah fantastic um and i've actually been been pleasantly surprised um because it's the complete opposite to what I thought it would be. Uh, as I say, I thought you would just be like a, a small number in the background. But, um, I mean, so far from my experience with my racehorse, um, that's been completely opposite. Um, so he had his first race on um, 1000 Guineas Day, running in the Maiden, um, finished third. Um, we Afterwards, we, uh, we met uh, Jules Pittman. Um, and Barney Baker. Uh, Barney's the racing and um, owner experience manager. Um, he's only a young lad, but fantastic, fantastic guy. Um, uh, and yeah, they invited us to, to have a drink with them, uh, which, we, uh, which we did. Um, we, we've been kept in the loop through uh, constant um, updates and videos from Kings Clear, um, where Syndicated is, uh, is, is trained. Um, and yeah, and we was extremely lucky to um, to be able to go and uh, see syndicators um, on the morning of uh, the lockage meeting. So,
0: so that was really, I mean, that was the day that I met you at Newbury, and you and you were came up yeah. and, and stood and chatted, and were, were, that was really, I think, probably the, the high point, wasn't it, of, of the experience so far? And you've only been in the syndicate what three or four weeks, but you'd actually gone to Kings Clear and and seen the horse on the gallops and spent a bit of time with uh, with Andrew Balding.
5: Yeah, and, uh, and also his, his wife as well. Um, uh, yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, when we turned up, there was a member of staff uh, in the driveway there, ready to meet us. Um, once we parked the car up, uh, went over to the house, there was, um, yeah, there was breakfast laid on for us, uh, which, was, which was great. Um, we managed to have a little tour around some of the stables. Um, I mean, they were so warm and friendly and welcoming. Uh, we saw we saw them schooling, and then we were taken to the um, to the gallops, where not only was we able to obviously watch syndicated work, but but the majority of the string was on um, working as well. It was a fantastic experience.
0: Well, so fingers crossed. Um, it's it's onwards and upwards, and maybe to Royal Ascot and beyond.
5: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know that um, they're looking to get syndicated running again, sort of mid June. Um, Royal Ascot was mentioned. Um, but speaking to Andrew on the day, um, he was explaining about with the young horses, their, their body frame can change um, rapidly from uh, from week to week. Um, and he was saying that even since his first race, his his frame is changing.
4: Um, so they don't want to, to rush him into into another
5: race. Um, and they obviously want to make sure it's the, the correct race for him. Um, and the plan is, yes, yeah, whether it's Royal Ascot, I don't think it will be, but it's sometime mid-June. But, you know, whatever it is, it's going to be great because we'll be there again, myself, my wife, uh, and possibly my son as well. Um, yeah, cheering him on.
0: Nick Lowe there, and he's off to uh, teach his first pupil today. Uh, And hopefully spread the gospel at myracehorse.com. And there's details of all three horses available in the UK and Ireland. Syndicated by Dubai, uh, a Zoffany filly trained by Joseph O'Brien and a Mendelssohn filly trained by John and Thady Gosden. All at various uh, price entry points as well. So do go and check them out. Now we are off to Hong Kong and J.A. McGrath.
6: Hi, Nick. We had a great final group one of the season at Sha Tin on Sunday. Russian Emperor came good again to win the Champions and Shader Cup over a mile and a half. It was only his second win in 15 starts in Hong Kong, but doesn't he find the right day to put his head in front? He'd won the Hong Kong Gold Cup in February, and this time the champions. I know it's probably bad form to be mentioning prize money on this podcast, even bordering on impoliteness. But those two races were worth £648,000 to the winner, each of them. When you consider Russian Emperor's Royal Ascot win for Bally Doyle was in the Hampton Court Stakes in June 2020, and that was worth only £35,000 to the winner, it puts it all into perspective. I don't know how much money Hong Kong owner Mike Cheung had to fork out for Russian Emperor, But he is surely in the black now, and with plenty more to come, seemingly. It was a triumph for Douglas White, a legend in Hong Kong racing already. It was the third group one of his training career, and yet more another masterful ride from Aussie Jockey Blake Shin. After the race, Blake reiterated that he will still return to Australia at the end of the season in mid July, even though he's riding out of his skin and with thirty six wins on the board, probably on target to near the half century by the time of his departure what a pity he's one who in time i think could probably have threatened the dominance of marera and Purton. shin has some good chances on the nine race card at happy valley today the best being aries in the class five six furlong sprint race five number two aries a capable type will appreciate this grade take him in a tote swinger with number one dasset one for the magic man, Joe Marrera. I think Marrera can go close to winning the final three races on this tricky card at Happy Valley. Race 7, he's got number 6, Excellent Piers, who's got plenty of speed, and from gate number 1 will be up there all the way. In race 8, he's got number 9, Jazz Steed for Casper Founds, whose stable are running quite well at the moment. And in the finale, have a look at uh, number two Hong Kong win. That's race nine, number two Hong Kong win, who starts from inside gate. He hasn't won for two years, but this horse has run respectively in group races. And now he's back in class three, which makes him very, very well placed and very well handicapped. So race nine, number two Hong Kong win and take him with his stable mate, number three, Special M in all multiples including toad swingers so that's all from the hong kong beat of this week i'll have more for you next week croc thanks so much
0: looking forward to hearing you a week from now but first of all lee motter said has a tip for you for today
1: i do nick there will be quite a few races over the coming days i think called the queen's platinum jubilee handicap or the queen's Plat- jubilee jubilee stakes or novice races one at um, beverly this afternoon at 310, and I'm going to select a horse who has a really good record at Beverly. Four course and distance wins for the Michael Dodds trained Proud Archie runs in the colours of Eagle Racing. And I'm selecting Proud Archie to make it five wins at Beverly in the 310
0: at the track this afternoon. All right, Lee. Thanks so much. Thank you very much for listening. That was Wednesday, May the 25th. Back to do it again tomorrow. Bye-bye.